This is Lisa Miller and Associates, Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. Now, here's Lisa Miller. Welcome, friends. The Florida legislature met in special session in late May of this year and passed a series of property insurance and consumer reforms that build on legislation passed in 2019 and in 2021. So the question is, do these two new laws help homeowners and the insurance market marred by a growing number of insurance companies leaving, some insolvent, others not writing new business, and the continued double-digit increases that homeowners are seeing when they get their insurance renewals in their mailbox. Will these laws help this situation? Joining us today on the Florida Insurance Roundup to help us answer these questions and whether the reforms, further reforms are necessary are two very distinguished guests. First, we have Representative David Smith. He's from Winter Springs and a Republican, and he's a highly decorated veteran of the United States Marine Corps and a business consultant who just finished his second two-year term in the Florida House of Representatives. He's a, a leader. It's in, it is so refreshing and inspirational to listen to him when he is debating on the uh, floor of the House of Representatives. And I salute you, Representative Smith. Thank you for your service and welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Lisa. Pleasure to be with you. And we also have Wesley Todd, CEO of Case Glide, a firm that started about a decade ago, and it is a litigation analytics and software firm that is, its data is used by policymakers, the insurance industry, any other stakeholders that are interested in what's going on in the litigation environment in Florida. Thank you for being here, Wesley. Thank you, Lisa. It's a pleasure. So, Representative Smith, let me start with you. As of today, June 22nd, 2022, We now have 12 companies or more that have stopped writing new business in Florida since January. Another seven companies have become insolvent since 2019 and six of those in the past 12 months. I watched and listened to you eloquently and ardently support the bills which became law in May. And they took effect immediately, as you know. They passed on May 25th. 2022 and the governor signed them the day after so the nagging question everybody wants to know are they enough to help right size balance fix the florida insurance marketplace and do you think they'll lower rates for homeowners well i think uh there's a couple of answers in there one is the people know with a great sense of urgency that we've got a property insurance crisis. That, that's one of the reasons that Governor DeSantis signed the bill immediately so we could begin having a real impact on homeowners. There are some homeowners that the legislation is going to help immediately. The legislation's also going to help some of the insurance companies with that uh, money, that $2 billion that we put in for reinsurance because we want to keep the Florida companies that are here that are writing policies. We want to make sure they can continue to write policies and we don't want anybody else to either leave Florida or quit writing policies. So this was kind of a first aid uh, measure to try to stabilize the markets. But longer term, I think homeowners will see uh, lower rates and a, and a, a impact of the rates going up 
less uh, because of the stabilization of the market and as those as their policies renew because just because the bill gets signed into law uh, it, it has to wait for that homeowner's policy to renew for those policies to take effect so we're on the right track uh, but believe me this was a matter of first aid to save a dying patient which was Florida's property insurance market but there is absolutely still more to do Thank you for that, Representative Smith. And I think what has happened is that the media throughout the state have talked about the special session. Consumers are seeing those headlines. I'm getting calls from insurance agents where their customers are calling and they're saying, the bill just passed. When will I immediately see my rate decrease? And we're having to educate the market to say we didn't get here overnight and it's going to take a longer term approach for the rates to kind of slow the rate increases. And, and see if some of these rate increases won't be as severe. I think it may get a little worse before it gets better, but I know that you work so hard uh, to try to make something happen as quickly as we possibly can. And, and Wes, I'm going to bucket over to you. These laws that passed had litigation reform, ways to kind of streamline what was happening in the lawsuit marketplace. And we've heard the insurance commissioner testify, and I'll let you talk about you know, how we compare to other states in terms of claims and lawsuits. Can you comment on what you think these laws did or didn't do and if it can help consumers with these exorbitant rate increases and from losing any more companies? Sure. Thank you, Lisa. There's, you know, and I think you're going to go through it in more detail, but there was three or four main components. I think Representative Smith did a great job of going through some of them. They are, uh, a lot of them are litigation related with the intent to be that, Either the laws will reduce the lawsuit amounts or reduce the cost of each lawsuit to the insurance industry, which would then uh, translate to lower uh, insurance premiums for Floridians, right? So that was the idea. Uh, these, these are very complex issues, so I applaud the legislature for taking them on. We've been doing it for a long time, and it's difficult to figure out exactly how you're going to move the needle for Floridians and when. And I think that Representative Smith made a great point. The real key question is when here. The insurance companies don't really set their own rates, right? They set the rates that help them make money based on how much their insurance companies charge them, which are called reinsurers, and then based on how much they have to pay to resolve a claim, which largely is a result of what a plaintiff's attorney asks for in Florida. So they, you know, insurance companies don't get this choice. They are going to have to reflect whatever the proper cost of insurance is in the market. That's why you see everybody raising rates. I think Representative Smith raised a great point. It's going to take a long time for these laws to take effect. Um, they can't undo all the prior losses. So all these people that do make these decisions about insurance pricing, they've seen years of red, of lost money. Essentially, these insurance companies just giving money away for free to the state. Uh, and they're going to need to see years of data that suggests that that's not going to happen anymore. And then that's going to have to convince the reinsurance industry to change their pricing, too. So ultimately, what the legislature was trying to do was solve that problem of insurance pricing. And I believe that they still have one more thing left to do, which is get rid of the attorney fee statute, which is the incentive structure that incentivizes attorneys to sue insurance companies. That used to be Florida's number one problem was, hey, we need attorneys to represent homeowners in a situation like Andrew. 
where they're going to need somebody to take on their case for free, and then if they win, the insurance company will pay them. Clearly, that's no longer the number one problem for Floridians. The number one problem is insurance rates are out of this are, are astronomical. That problem wasn't solved. So I think it's going to be until that problem is solved, until they get rid of that incentive structure, until we actually start to see rates for Floridians decrease. So it's interesting you talk about that very singular statute. For those of you that like to read statutes and are nocturnal, (laughs) you can look at it at uh, section 627.428, which is the statute that was put on the books many, many years ago so that consumers would have a level playing field, if you will, when an insurance company, there was a dispute and they needed to represent, the consumer needed representation. The statute was designed for the insurance company to actually pay for the consumer's legal fees, even if that consumer was suing the insurance company. And what has happened is that there are contractors who use that statute to their own benefit, and those contractors uh, will have their uh, favorite partner, plaintiff lawyer, they become a team, if you will, and those fees are paid uh, to the trial lawyer who's representing the contractor once the consumer's kind of marginalized, if you will. Um, there's a whole, We've got uh, previous podcasts that talk about the assignment of benefit scams and those kinds of things. So if our listeners want to go back through and listen to some of those um, scenarios, it, it's quite interesting to see. And it's sad because consumers get locked into it. So you make a great point, Wes, that the attorney fee statute, the way it's being abused, is driving this litigation. In fact, the insurance commissioner testified that of all the homeowners insurance claims in Florida, uh, we represent about 9% of the entire nation, of every single claim that's ever been filed in the United States, and yet we represent almost 80% of all homeowners lawsuits, homeowners insurance claim lawsuits. So you see the the dysfunction, if you will, where we have a very moderate amount of insurance claims in our state, but yet 80% of all lawsuits in the United States. So back to you, Representative Smith, we know that Florida is a a litigation haven. There's about 20 plaintiff firms that file probably 85% of all this litigation and what we are terming litigation factories, if you will, thousands and thousands of lawsuits. Do you ever see a time where we can turn the tide and have Section 627.428 used like it was intended for just consumers, uh, you know, to be able to access that? I know the Senate Bill 2D tried to address that. Would you like to comment about what your thoughts are with respect to this litigation factory and the fee incentives that are causing it? Well, the legislation we did pass uh, did start to make inroads into those attorney fees when somebody does the assignment of benefits. But we've, again, we, we've got to do more. And, and uh, the legislature never wants to deny the consumer, that homeowner, the ability to get an attorney and be represented and, and get their day in court. But then again, we all see it every time we turn on the TV uh, with the number of attorneys uh, that are on their advertising and, and the billboards uh, a- around town that you see of so-and-so got me this much and so-and-so can get me that much. And uh, so we're a, we're a litigation-heavy state. And, and that's got to change because this is not, uh, as I out talk to constituents and I'm, I've done a bunch of legislative updates, I, the one thing I really try to convey to people, this is not an insurance company versus consumer 
kind of uh, David and Goliath fight. There's a lot of problems that cross uh, impact uh, uh, that from homeowners to the insurance companies to reinsurance because hey, who knew insurance companies had insurance? And as it was said by Wes, it's called reinsurance. But there's a whole host of these things that that are impacting Florida. But most people want to think that well, our insurance rates are going up because Florida's a hurricane magnet. And, and that's true. We have weather issues that we have to deal with living in lovely Florida, but it's the litigation costs that are, are driving these rates up and, and why reinsurance companies don't want to take the actuarial risk of having all this litigation in Florida. It's not the hurricanes they fear. It's the trial lawyer. Got it. And back to you then, Wesley. Let's talk about what litigation, the, the current situation and then what do you see going forward? You know, we've talked about the fact that almost 80% of all property insurance lawsuits are filed in Florida. What does that mean in terms of numbers? Thank you. I just want to add one thing to Representative Smith's fantastic comments. Floridians get to choose. Well, they should have this choice. Are they more worried about having an attorney represent them in a case they think an insurance company underpays them or being guaranteed to have to pay uh, loads of excessive insurance premiums. Like like what matters more to them? I think Floridians would choose, I'd much rather take my chances in the storm and pay a quarter of what I'm paying now in insurance rates. And that's what 49 other states have decided, that we do not need to choose paying attorneys over keeping money in policyholders' pockets. So, you know, just the problems has shifted in Florida. And so in, until until everybody realizes that and uh, takes action on it. There, no one's being served by paying these rates. Um, not in insurance companies, it doesn't matter to them. They just pass it on, it's the policyholder. So, you know, numbers wise, it, it, you know, to your question, Lisa, it proves the point. Uh, these laws have come in and they were very, I think they were very smart. Legislature is very smart to try to say, hey, can we do some kind of surgery instead of a full transplant? Can we? do these really tactical pieces of legislation here and there? Can we look at AOB with HB 7065 in 2019? Can we look at trying to get these cases settled pre-suit with SB 76 in 2021? And now finally, can we look at roofs and AOBs with SB 2D and 4D in 2022? So you've had these tactical approaches saying, is there a way for us to attack this without getting rid of the attorney fee incentive structure? Um, looking at the statistics, Lisa, looking at the tens of thousands of lawsuits that are filed per month against Florida homeowners insurers, the answer so far is no. And I'll just try to simplify it for everybody. If we put a lot of loopholes and obstacles in front of the plaintiff's attorneys, but they get paid to jump through those loopholes because they get paid for all their attorney's fees, then are they really obstacles, right? They're loopholes, actually. They're things that actually create more revenue for the attorneys because they're being paid to jump through hoops. So again, I think it was the right approach to not try the most aggressive legislation first. But to your question, Lisa, the data shows that the surgical approach is not working. So 
in fact, for those that are listening that are not familiar with how the legislative process works, oftentimes the legislature, and certainly the Representative Smith can talk about this, will do what are called baby steps because it is very difficult uh, just from an agreement standpoint because everybody there's 120 House members, there's 40 senators, and you know, a majority on either side have to agree to the major changes, and there are stakeholders all around this subject area. So, Representative Smith, if you can talk a little bit more about, you know, when we have Wesley Todd tracking litigation saying, you know, what we've done so far will not stem the tide of what I call the litigation factories. I've listened to first notice of loss telephone line reports where every third call is a lawyer calling in a claim, which is foreign to me when you know, I've been in this business over 30 years, consumers call in a claim, not lawyers. Why is a lawyer calling on an initial claim? And so talk about that, Representative Smith, about how you see what may happen as we move into the future of of law changes that will ultimately help consumers that we need to be doing to make things better. Well, Lisa, I tell you, we're trying to make uh, data-driven decisions, although we, we listen to the personal stories of, of homeowners and their, their, their struggles. But when you look at the, you know, one out of three roof claims, uh, get the insurance company gets notified by a lawyer mm-hmm. where, because somebody, typically elderly, they don't realize that they've signed that assignment of benefits away. And then unbeknownst to the homeowner, with the claim, they they're, they all of a sudden are now suing their insurance and start racking up those attorney fees because it's not the it's not the thirty five thousand dollar roof that that is the burden on the insurance company. It's the hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars in attorney's fees that they get paid. That's what creates the litigation risk, uh, and and we've definitely uh, have seen this data. Again, eight percent of the roof claims. Uh, and and 80%, almost 80% of the litigation, it tells you you've got a problem that we have to address. And and in the special session, there there was a group of us advocating for stronger legislation to start reeling this in. But oftentimes, those baby steps, we we do take an iterative approach, uh, which we've done over the last couple of years, SB 76, which we did during the 2021 session. Uh, and, And it's really to make a change. Okay. We didn't wreck the state. Okay. Let's make another change. And we look at it the next year and that's kind of the way we do. So, so why do we do that? Why don't we come in with major sweeping overhaul legislation? Because every time we do, we screw it up (laughs) and we've learned. So, so we get into this iterative process. And so, so why do I say that? I can just tell you in my four years in the legislature, it's a part-time job, so to speak. We only meet 60 days a year. So when you have uh, in session and the commodity is time, you can't build those consensus. You can't get the data. Uh, you can't measure or, as I call it, benchmark off of other states that have passed similar legislation and seen the unintended consequences that they face. We don't have the time in a 60-day session to really map that out. Uh, what I had recommended and, and suggested, I don't make recommendations to the governor. I suggest things. 
And one of the suggestions that I did make after the special session was called for property insurance is to put together a blue ribbon committee to meet outside of our regular session or even the interim committee weeks. Everybody that has a vested interest in solving this problem from insurance to homeowners represent representatives to everybody that's that's a part of the problem and so they can be a part of the solution and and I really do think we need to uh, to take that approach and I I don't think it'll actually take that long it it certainly is complex uh, but it's not necessarily complicated uh, we can identify the issues and then figure out what we need to do I'm I'm, I'm of the mindset uh, maybe it's that Marine Corps kind of uh, mindset I have a get mission focused and let's find a solution I say we all get into the you know ballroom of a hotel somewhere nobody leaves until we've got this thing hammered out but I, I think we can do it but you can't do it piecemeal over a, a limited 60-day legislative session thank you for that representative Smith great thought leadership and commentary um, I'm going to turn the conversation to what the law didn't do. For those of you that want to know what the law did do, Senate Bill 2D, Senate Bill 4D, as in dog, from the May 23rd through 25th, 2022 special session, we will put in our show notes so you can read all about it. It's about a 40 or 50 page bill, had some great consumer reforms. Um, I am a pro bono consumer advocate. I talk to consumers just so I can... They find me on the web. They call my office. Some of the stories are harrowing, and I simply suggest that they contact appropriate regulators to try to get a handle on what's happened to the. To, and, and we may spend one podcast just talking about some of the consumer stories that we've all seen and heard, particularly the vulnerable and elderly. But um, you can read about what the bills did do. One of the things the bill didn't do was address Citizens Property Insurance Corporation. We commonly call that citizens, and that's the government's insurance company. Just for those of you that are listening for a frame of reference, Florida has about 7.5 million property insurance policies in our state, and citizens at one time wrote a million and a half of those maybe 10, 12 years ago, and they went as low as 400,000. They're slowly ramping back up to a million, and that just sounds great, but it's not. So Citizens Property Insurance, the government's insurance company, it's our goal to work them out of a job because having the government in the insurance business is like saying they should be making hamburgers or sofas or chairs. The government doesn't have a um, expertise in this, so the citizens team is amazing. They don't want to be competing with the private sector. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Wes, Wesley, with respect to you know the 20-some-odd companies that you represent and the litigation factor with citizens as compared to the private sector, you know, do you find them more of a target? Do you see their litigation going up and down? And then we'll talk about the number of policies with Representative Smith. Th that was a great question, Lisa. I think what we see with citizens is something we see very uh, similar to a lot of the other private carriers, that there are still going to be targets for attorneys uh, looking to pursue litigation because there's the same incentive structure for attorneys to sue citizens. So it doesn't really change anything for the policyholder or for the market other than creating that burden on us as Floridians that if something were to go wrong, with the funding of citizens that we would all bear that risk, which is, I think, one of the biggest concerns for our state. 
Absolutely. And I think what's happening with citizens, and when you talk, we have thousands of insurance agents that are, you know, constantly working on behalf of their consumers to find them appropriate coverage. I'd like to say at an affordable price. I don't know what affordable is. We're seeing citizens grow. So, you know, back to you, Representative Smith, why wasn't citizens, I mean, the word citizens wasn't even in the 50-page bill that passed. Why was that? Well, I think it was a a decision out of leadership. I I had seen some draft language where we were going to start taking on those issues because the the growth in citizens and policies, and again, is, is people may not know, but but citizens' property insurance is the insurer of last resort in Florida. When somebody can't get a policy that's, again, fairly priced, they wind up in citizens, and the Florida taxpayer is the, the financial backstop uh, for citizens. That That's why it is important for us to pass legislation that, that over a period of time depopulates citizens so it's a risk that Florida can bear because we, we uh, uh, th- that's just actuarially unsound for the state to have that many policies in and we work hard to get it down and we've got to take that on. But that was not an issue that l- essentially leadership wanted to take on in a special session. It's going to take more time because there's a, again, you're impacting uh, uh, Floridians uh, in particular to have uh, the most or maybe are potentially the most vulnerable because a lot of those policies are coastal policies. However, there are some, what I call the low hanging fruit of, of changes that could be made with citizens, such as we, we have people that aren't Floridians that own second homes in Florida, and then they're getting you know, lower cost uh, citizens insurance of which we, you know, Florida citizens are backstopping their lower cost insurance, and they're not even one of us. Uh, so those are some of the things that we can that we can do immediately. It's the same thing with if it's not your homesteaded property. So hey, good luck to you. if you if you're doing well enough that you can own a, a second home on the on the beach uh, in a condo or some other home, then great. Then you can afford to pay for your own insurance in the open market. You don't get the Florida taxpayers to backstop your citizens policy. Those are just a couple of ideas that I have. Here, here, well said. So in wrapping this up, Wes, if you were sitting in front of lawmakers and you have, you know, you've got all the raw data that talks about this, you know, almost 400% increase in litigation in the past nine years. If you were sitting in front of lawmakers, what would you say to them if you were standing in front of a committee telling lawmakers, here's what, from a litigation standpoint, here is exactly what you should do to reduce the amount of litigation that's draining policyholders' pocketbooks because they're paying for it in increased premiums. What would you say, Wes? I would say I would say get rid of 627-428. The plaintiff's attorneys are animals of inertia. They will continue to bring the litigation on behalf of the policyholders. There's plenty of margin in these cases where you're able to debate about, you know, the cost of a new roof or the cost of significant repairs. You will drastically reduce the exposure here. You'll start to see that data come in real fast if you got rid of that. Uh, if, if you got rid of that law, you would see you know 30, 50 percent improvement in outcomes for the insurance companies. But the plaintiffs' attorneys would still have great businesses. Insurance would still be protected. 
And I think we'd get a message real quick to the reinsurance industry, to the insurance industry, that Florida is a place we can do business. It is a working insurance market. And you'd be able to turn those uh, results back to Floridians real fast. I think that that's something that could happen real soon. Nobody's harmed except 20 attorneys go from making, you know, tens of millions of dollars to just a few million dollars a year. You heard it here first, Representative Smith. And Representative Smith, we'll close out with you. I know Senator Jim Boyd, who was the chairman of the Insurance and Banking Committee and who really led the conversation, the debate, the reforms for Senate Bill 2D and 4D. I know the House had its you know, identical versions, but the Senate bills were the ones that ultimately passed and signed by the governor. And and I saw where Senator Boyd wants to hold workshops over the summer because many members complained that special session from May 23rd to May 25th, two days, was not, uh, you know, a scenario of critical thinking and it was just get it done fast and put the first date out, as you said. He want, uh, Senator Boyd wants to hold workshops over the summer and present the information and data that I think some lawmakers said they never got to see. Um, what would you say if you were chair of that committee and you wanted to make a couple of major changes to help consumers? What would those changes be uh, with respect to citizens or litigation or the CAT fund or just, just name it if you were king for a day? Uh, well, <laughs> I tell you, there, there, there's a lot of things that can be done. And, and just like, uh, uh, like Wes was just talking, you know, if we get these people together, whether it's a blue ribbon Commission, or it's the workshops at Senator Boyd, and again, he's 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 been working in the insurance industry for for tens and twenties a year. He's probably been thirty years in in the industry, like like you, Lisa. So it's not that we don't know the problems. It, it, it's you you can bring the people together and will very quickly show you what the problems are. But getting that information and, and the impact it has on homeowners, what the impact it has on insurance, what the what the uh, recommended or projected outcome would be in the reinsurance market, those are the things that we have to discuss and then pick from those lists in an iterative process, because we're never going to get to sweeping change, say, okay, these are the these are the things that we have bipartisan support to agree on, and here's the uh, the dollarized impact to homeowners. And let's do these. These we can agree on. Let's move them out, and then then start looking for that next tier and the next tier. But uh, the the attorney fees in particular to cut down on just the mills. Uh, lawsuit mills that just exist that are adversely impacting every Floridian that owns a home, whether they know it or not, they're paying more because of all these lawsuits. And we've got to do something about that. So that uh, that would be top of my list. All right. And if I may, for our listeners, I'm going to give you my top four for my list. Um, I believe that we should uh, go beyond the, the roof deductible. There was a, a roof deductible option uh, that consumers can access now as a result of the new law. And I think we should go beyond that. Um, I have friends that have homes in other states, and one sent me a copy of her declarations page, and she has an actual cash value policy, and her agent discussed it with her, and she knows exactly she's got a nine-year-old roof, and she knows she'll get a check for a nine-year-old roof if her roof blows off. It happens routine in every other, practically 40 states, and yet we don't do it here. Secondly, I think we should just get rid of this assignment of benefits. It's this weapon. It's this document that people sign. They don't know what they're signing, and they sign their life away, and the contractor has the consumer by the neck. I got a call last week, very same thing, asking how do I get out of it. 
I, I'm not a lawyer, obviously, and I just have to send them to the appropriate authorities and hope that enough pressure can be put on some of these contractors to let particularly senior citizens out of these assignment of benefits contracts that are putting them in a vice grip. Third thing I would do is, as you both have said, it's just time to get rid of this 627-428 and, and, and change and transform and get back to normal litigation, whatever that is, that if there's a dispute between a consumer and an insurance company, um, to, to reduce the incentive for litigation. CFO of our state, Jimmy Patronis, has an incredible insurance consumer helpline. It's, you know, 877-693-5236. 877-693-5236. We'll post that in our show notes, and you can send that to anybody and everybody. It's a free service to get that dispute resolved. We don't need the lawyers in the mix. And lastly, the Hurricane Catastrophe Fund. We did not spend a lot of time on this podcast about that, but that fund has been around since Hurricane Andrew in 90, you know, it was established in 1993, and it's got billions of dollars in the bank that could be used to help reduce premiums in a variety of ways. So if I was queen for a day, that's what I would get done. And I just cannot thank enough Representative David Smith from the Orlando Seminole County area, a great American. For those of you that are from that area, I urge you to reach out to him. Uh, Easy to find, very accessible, and, and working on behalf of all Floridians, not just those in his district. And of course, Wesley Todd, who is providing the data and information about what litigation is, and we hope at some point not doing in Florida driving insurance rates. So thank you, Wesley, for being on the show today. Thank you. And Representative Smith, Godspeed to you in your reelection, and we're hoping things work out for you. We know they will. Thank you very much, Lisa. And I also make a point of educating reporters and, and their readers and viewers about, you know, what's going on, because the word insurance is just a scary thing. I often joke that people, when they see me coming, they either run toward me or run the other way. And they run the other way because it's a confusing topic and it's hard to listen to some of the facts and, and uh, circumstances that we've talked about here. So for those of you that are listening and you're active in your communities, I, I urge you to reach out to your legislators, go have a cup of coffee with them. I had one in my office this morning for a couple of hours to just talk about the insurance market in general and how consumers are hurting. Uh, please do that. Get engaged in your communities. Talk to your legislators. Let them know what insurance is, what it is not. It's not a repair and wear and tear policy, that it is an act of God that when it's supposed to pay and not being abused like it is now. And if you've got any comments or questions, you can call us at 850-388-8002. That's 850-388-8002. Or you can send me an email, Lisa Miller at Lisa Miller Associates with an S on the end.com. Lisa Miller at lisamillerassociates.com. We have a loyal following for this podcast series. We get information and ideas from our listeners, and we appreciate you standing beside us. We stand beside you. We work on behalf of consumers every day so insurance companies can keep their promises. And we thank great representatives like David Smith and great data technicians and companies like Wesley Todd. And with that, it's a wrap. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. This has been Lisa Miller and Associates, Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. For more information on today's program, please visit us on the web at www.lisamillerassociates.com.